welcome back to season three of Breaking Bad. We're kicking off the podcast this year with a really special treat. We got Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul in the house. Hey! Also, we got our executive producer, Vince Gilligan. Hey! Hooray for me. Yeah. All right, that's it. Now let's get started. <laughs> oh, and, our, and our composer, Dave Porter. Yay! Yeah! Hey, Dave. Thanks, you guys, for coming in this morning. This is really, really cool. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We're Thank kicking you. off. At, I think everybody's really, really excited. I know that um, there's a lot of people trolling the internet now, just waiting for... Uh, that could be bad. Yeah, waiting, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting for My it. neighbor trolled the internet and got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we should, let's thing. just start right in. But the first thing I want to talk about, you know, is uh, congratulations to both of you for those Emmy nominations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Ryan, for the back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. for the back-to-back win. Back yeah. win. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, your first time, so what was that like? Uh... The Academy was absolutely out of their mind, but it was, uh, it was brilliant. You know, oh. when, when uh, Emerson won the Best Supporting Actor, and I look, I turned, he was sitting behind me, and I turned back, and I said, how do you feel? He goes, I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved I didn't win. Because yeah. I did not want to go up on that stage and just completely have nothing to say. Um, just silence. But... Um, when when they announced his name, I I think I was the loudest person in the room. Yeah, I screamed, and I think I kicked the back of his chair, yeah. and I heard him kind of laugh. <laughs> he reacted like he won. And he's just laughing in front of and me. And I want to turn around and say, that wasn't your name. <laughs> sit down, sit down. Do not go on stage. Do not go on stage. But no, it was an incredible experience. Did you meet uh, Michael Emerson? Oh yeah, I've 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 met him numerous times. I I'm, saw a picture too of you with uh, with his with, Emmy. Yeah, me yeah. trying to still uh, steal his <laughs> Emmy, and um, he wouldn't give it to me. Uh, but no, he's such a great man, and he's so talented. So I directed him back on uh, the last X Files episode. I directed the oh, second yeah? to last episode we ever did. He was the co-star. Oh really? He played oh. a man who could control the universe with his mind, and he loved the Brady Bunch. So we lived in the Brady Bunch house. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, that was that. him. And he's a. Paulie very... Shore is just like that too. <laughs> he's like same way. And Michael, uh, Michael and Paul, Paulie too as well. Yeah. But Michael, very sweet guy. And uh, yeah, I think sure. it should have been you, but uh, no offense to Michael. Well, thank but, you. Uh, yeah. Well, so do I. But you know what can you do? And, he's and a very you, sweet man. You, took, you brought your parents, right? You yeah, yeah, yeah. So was your was it your mom's first time? Uh, no, my mom went with me last year as well. Um, so I, I brought my parents, my my girlfriend, uh, my brother, a couple, wow. a couple of my buddies. You brought whole, an entourage. Yeah, we got, brought a whole <laughs> uh, whole little crew. Yeah, it was great. Right on. Okay, well, I guess we should start right in, Brian. Your second second directing uh, premiere, second time directing the premiere of our show, right? Yes. Yes, and he was brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I you know, I do want to say that this this it's a logistical issue on that because as as one of the actors on the show, uh you can direct and act uh if if you're got all your your faculties together, but but prepping for the show to to direct and acting is not possible. So, the only the only episode that I could direct is the first one. So as uh, though I'm honored to do it, it, it really is a logistical issue that that reason I have to do the first one. So So how was it though? It was great. I mean it's it's like I, I've described it for me, it's like putting together a ten thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. Uh, <laughs> but you don't have the luxury of the picture on the box. It's in your head. And so you, you start with the edges, just like you, know, you say, okay, let me just let me just see it in my mind and get the whole picture together. And as you go along in the prep week, it becomes clearer and clearer. And you have things that you hope to shoot, you know, as a bonus. But then there's you know the list of things that you have to get. So it's a it's a time crunch. It's your it seems like the moment you start, your AD is whispering in your ear, "We're behind." We gotta, we gotta get moving, and you just can't believe that. It's like, how is that possible? And uh, so it's, it's always a challenge. And this show is never easy. It's wall to wall busyness. I mean, it's like you're, you're constantly fighting the clock to get everything that you want to get for it. You know. And so, but I think that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be easy. Well, you know, let me jump away for a second because I just want to ask Vince. Vince, you wrote this episode, mm-hmm. and I want to ask because we left season two in the middle of a disaster oh yeah we, we leave every season in the middle of a disaster <laughs> but 
We really did leave in the middle of a disaster yeah. this time. And then also on the show was a disaster. No, but we left in the middle of a disaster, but then we pick up. We mm-hmm. sort of approach that, but we don't start there. We start somewhere totally different. Yeah, and yeah. I just am curious about the research with the whole Santa Muerte business and stuff like that. I mean, I know you guys started... You know, believe it or not, I believe you guys started in May. You started in the writers' room in May. I, it all runs together in my head. And like that was mush, like even yes, before our last episode was on TV. I mean, you guys were back in there. Yeah, working. we we were back before the the last episode of season two aired. That is that is true. Mm. Yeah, the Santa Muerte thing is a really interesting thing. Uh, Sam Catlin, one of our writers. Uh, came in with a, uh, I think it was a story from the New York Times or someplace about uh, about folks who are so hardcore about this religion that they actually crawl on hands and knees to their various shrines. And Santa Muerte is an interesting, and, and, and I should preface all this I'm about to say with, with the, the, the fact that I am no expert on this. I, I have very much a lay person's knowledge of it. But our research told us Santa Muerte is this very interesting uh, religion that's sort of an offshoot of Catholicism and uh, uh, is practiced by about 4 million people down there uh, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And... Is it just Mexico, or does it go all the way through South America? Well, this and is other... a good question. Uh, you know, I don't. Uh, to, to be fair, I don't. Oh. I don't have the. Uh, I don't have that's. I don't have the knowledge on that. But uh, our research centered on on the way it it, it, it works, or the way it's uh, practiced down in down in Mexico. But uh, I should probably start by saying uh, that it is not in any kind of an evil religion or anything like that. It's not a drug dealer's religion per se. It's uh, a lot of really good people practice it. It's not some dark, you know, like uh, Indiana Jones 2 kind of a <laughs> thuggy kind of a thing. It's not like that in real life. It's it's practiced by a lot of people, but including drug dealers. It is pretty popular down there with, with cartel members and whatnot because what you're doing is, as I understand it, again, somebody out there probably knows way more about this than I do and could correct me, but it's... It's a religion where you're praying to, to, in a sense, death itself, or death herself, Santa Morita, Saint Death, uh, the, 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 the white, the white the skinny girl, the, the, the Nina Blanca, the, right. the, the white girl. White dress. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. is referring, and the, the dress and referring to the fact she's skeletal, she's just right. bones. Uh, and the interesting thing about Santa Morita is she makes no distinction uh, between uh, good and bad in the sense of a follower's prayers to her. Meaning, you could pray for your little granddaughter to get better and go to a good school and whatever. You could pray for a pet to recover from getting hit by a car. And at the same time, pray for your little grandson's death. That little shit. <laughs> is, uh, hate that kid. You could. You could yeah, pray so for the death there's of There's no a, judgment there. There's no judgment. There's no judgment at all. Yeah. And uh, so it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, religion down there. Yeah. So... Um, you know, I was told that you guys had an interesting way of picking your location for Cabazon or something when you had the the guys crawling in the Mexican village. Well, it, it, it that's another another um, hurdle that we had to do is that you you have to pick a location that's that in this case we're shooting in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It had to be somewhere close to our main stages and yet look like Mexico, and it was an ordeal. And our producers and and uh, scouting uh, location managers uh, had to do, you know, Herculean efforts to, to find locations that could work. And we found uh, a place called Cabazon, which is about 50, 60 miles away, something like that. Yeah. And it was, and, and that in itself creates a problem because the clock starts ticking for crew uh, once, you know, once you leave the stages. And uh, so we, we were limited. We only had a day to shoot out there. And uh, it, was, uh, it was all hands on deck. So um, we, we had a lot of help. You always have to have a lot of help. This is a collaborative art form. So it, you cannot possibly do this by yourself. So everybody brought their A game and uh, we shot the hell out of it. And, 
and in sections and in, and then put it together and hope it all fits. Of course, now the the day we get out there, as it says in the script, the blistering sun and sweat dripping, and we get out there and it's raining. And how many look, days does it rain in New Mexico? I mean, just well, that one. Like, yeah, just, just that one. one. I mean, never, never. <laughs> happened, but, you know, during the summer, it, you can almost count on it. In the afternoons, uh, the summer, you know, rains come and and they'll it'll rain. Uh, frequently in the afternoons, but this was in the morning. And then, so what do we do? Well, we're here. We have to shoot. So, you know, you talk to Michael Slovis, our DP, and find out how can we make this look like it's done. And then in the afternoon, sun comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you see that difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see the difference between yeah. the, the some of the shots and the afternoon shots. And that's just television schedule. You just have to go with it. And uh, hopefully it doesn't make a jarring reaction to what they see. And it looks, it looks pretty cool. There are some cool idea, uh, some shots. And, and that iconic mountain, it looks like a nipple. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and the areola around it, which is... Uh, is that what Cabazon means? Yeah. Spanish? It means... It means <laughs> nipple mountain? It means you didn't know big that? Big nipple. Big nipple. <laughs> nice Cabazons. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Oh it looks God. to me like Devil's Tower in uh, Close Encounters. It kind of, it kind of has that feeling to it, and yeah. that's you know it's such an iconic figure that that's I, I wanted to try to keep that in as much as possible to use that, you know they're coming from or going to that that mountain mm. as sort of this bizarre connection yeah. like that. So and one of our it turned out fantastic, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. It, and uh, one of our didn't one of our painters get bit by a rattlesnake out there? Really. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's all kinds of rattlesnakes out there, and so yeah, one of our uh, our set painters, you know, a crew of of a hundred or so people going out there to do a variety of different things, and um, got bit. But fortunately, I was close by and sucked the Suck. venom out. We <laughs> <laughs> say and he's fine to this right? day. <laughs> my tongue, my tongue is still is still numb, but he's fine. Dave, part of that, the whole uh, making Albuquerque, making sort of New Mexico, Mexico was part of uh, your challenge, right? It was, yeah. In the uh, opening sequence in particular, really wanted to, uh, well, first of all, it's such a pleasure to be able to work on the show. And, and one of the great benefits of what I get to do is that I get to work on every episode. So I, one of the things that we really try to do with the music when we use it, in particular the score, is to try to tie together uh, the various peoples and plot points and personalities for the show. And while we don't, we're not as so overt that we do actual musical themes, we do have uh, specific musical palettes and specific sounds and instruments that we use uh, often for different characters. And uh, these uh, two gentlemen from south of the border <laughs> uh, uh, without going into too much further detail about them um, definitely warranted their own uh, unique signature sound and uh, it happened to work well certainly also with capturing the mood that we wanted to capture uh, in the teaser and, and beyond in this first episode it's great, Th those cues are great some of your best work and that's Thank saying you. a lot but I got a question for you I love the sound of someone blowing across the jug. <laughs> Could you put that in the, the music for a um, Sure. <laughs> just randomly. Anyway, just, just randomly. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe, maybe for... And bagpipes. I like bagpipes. <laughs> Who would it work best for? I, I could say with straight <laughs> Be careful, Aaron, or I'll start scoring you with bagpipes, and then you can kiss your next Emmy nomination goodbye. Cowbell. Cowbell. Okay. thing you yeah. spin and it goes... I got, I got one, more, one more question. I got one more question sort of about that, about that little part of the episode. And this is something I just learned, and so I thought it was kind of a cool little thing. Vince, I just learned that your car was in that episode. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's the old truck that drives and almost <laughs> runs over the guy who's crawling. We trucked it out all the way. No, yeah, the uh, yeah, actually, yeah, it's um, the the Mercedes. That's your car. Yeah. You. What a show off! Wow. <laughs> that is your car. Well, no wonder oh, we get paid man. so little. <laughs> it all has to go to me. Let's trash <laughs> it. <laughs> It's always got to be, I'm sure. But uh, no, uh, no we, it's uh, the only reason we use it is we needed a, 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 a uh, geez, we needed a rather high-end car 
for these. We're calling them the cousins, by the way. These two, these two guys. Uh, what that really? means? Uh, stay tuned, and uh, well, let's refer to them as the cousins. These guys, and uh, these two gentlemen needed a rather high-end car that uh, differentiated itself pretty readily from the other vehicles in Cabazon. And uh, it's a little hard for our our wonderful uh, transportation guys out in Albuquerque to find high-end cars like last season we had uh gretchen drove a uh bentley, a bentley. Yeah. we had to truck that in from the they had to, i didn't personally they <laughs> had to truck that in from nevada i believe rent wow. it somewhere some high-end yeah, dealership they didn't have one in new mexico so i'm sure someone's got one but yeah, but but then you got to track them down and say yeah. would you could you rent us your car and yada 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 and and we needed a car we needed it quick so uh they just uh, a couple of the, the couple of the fellows showed up in our driveway one day and, and put it on a flatbed, and <laughs> drove it out from L.A. So uh, and then we had to drive it out again. Twice, yeah, that's what you said. Twice because uh, because I can't remember why. Anyway, reshoots. Yeah, reshoots, reshoots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Not not re- it was not a reshoot. It was an additional shot. Like you said, that first day. How many? Uh, crew, how many camera crews did you have that day? That day was in, intense. We man. had we had uh, three, and you know we just we just leapfrogged because we had to keep moving and do it quickly. Because yeah. um, by the time sun sunset came, we're done. We're, yeah. We had to be finished. So yeah, no it lights. Was fighting, fighting, fighting for time yeah. the whole way. But it was. Uh, it did was a, fun. Did a great job. Man. Oh, well, thanks. talk about uh, lighting yourself on fire. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you if you if you see that this episode when when I when the with the money is uh, being lit on fire, I'm wearing these gorilla hands, uh, these these actual gloves that are are made for fire retardant uh, stunts, and so I had to I first dipped my hands in this jelly, right, and and put and they wipe it all the way up your arm, and then you put these gloves on that come halfway up your arm. And, um, you know, I, I wear my wedding ring, so they had to find a ring, like a, a cracker jo- uh, box. A cracker <laughs> right, right, right. And they cut it and then split it. But if you take a look at the hand, the hands are like uh, catcher's gloves on each one. Um, and that's to protect the actor from uh, from burning. But uh, it was funny. When, when I toss the, the money into the pool and then out of frustration and my arm is on fire, I just jump in myself um the gloves started to come down so the tips of my fingers of the gloves were down about there (laughs) right and so so as i'm splashing to try to put the water i could feel the the, my hand flopping back and forth and i go i can't show that so i ducked them back underneath the water that's why i kept my hands down in the water so there's all kinds of things that happen that you don't want to have to do over again we don't again we don't have much time so I was hoping that we can do that once, and we were able to do it. So I wanted to set one camera halfway in the water, halfway out to get that floating feeling, yeah. and then uh, a master, and then a little bit closer so that I could cover it in one one stunt. Because it, it would take a lot of time for me to get out, clean the pool, change clothes, mm-hmm. back, you know. I mean, and do you have to clean the pool personally? Is yeah, I had to clean it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you do. You know, like, come on, let's clean it. Let's skim it. But you know what amazes me? I mean, a lot of folks, you know, folks obviously tuning in to listen to this have, have seen, I assume, 99 out of 100 of them have seen this episode already. And a lot of them probably think about how, how all the amazing special effects we have nowadays tend to make anything doable in a, in a computer environment. Now, all this... All this long way of saying, I bet a lot of people watched that and thought it was just computer generated. All those flames, you were oh. really on fire. Yeah, which blows me away. I, I don't know if anyone's ever, especially not on a damn TV schedule. The star of a TV show who's also <laughs> directing the episode <laughs> has lit himself on fire. Directing himself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so hats off to you, man. I, I want everybody to know that you were really burning. That was not yeah. a digital. Well, effect. we did a test too. We did a test of it, and and there just didn't. There was too much gel. So the fire just, it was too small, and it was, uh, you had to have justification why he would throw himself in the pool. It had to be big enough to like, oh, it's not going to, you yeah, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if I felt I can put it out, then I wouldn't throw myself in the pool. So we had to put less on, and of course the stunt guys are there to protect you. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. I said, no, let's put less on, put less on, let it burn a little more. Yeah. So they're actually putting... A, a retardant underneath, but a a 
in, uh, enhancement, right. the fire enhancement, so that it actually will start burning up the sleeve. You know? Right, right. It's it's a strange combination, but well, was carefully okay. tested on PAs for some. Yeah, <laughs> may he rest in peace. <laughs> Forget his name, but no, just a PA. He's a good guy. He made a hell of a sandwich, that guy. Yeah, I miss him. We should have used someone else because now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, honey. Yes. Last time we saw you, you were you were ma- you know in major trouble. Now you're in rehab. Yeah, he was in a very sad, oh, sad, dark poor place. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, want to hug him, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's slowly trying to come out of his uh, his tunnel, but um, he he has a lot of guilt on his shoulders. You know, he completely. Uh, blames himself for Jane's death, and now is blaming himself for, uh, you know, the the plane wrecks and all, all all of this stuff, and he's taking it all on himself. And so, he uh, he, he he has thrown himself into. Well, he hasn't thrown himself into, but uh, um, Mr. White put him in rehab, and he decided to just stick it out, and he really had nowhere else to go, and so that's where you first see him. And he's, oh, it's just so sad. It is now very, you, very, you've, very you've accepted, sad, yeah. He's accepted himself as the bad guy. Yeah. He's the bad guy. Yeah, yeah he's kind of had a, you know, self, self-acceptance. self He's like, okay, fine, I'll be the bad he's guy. He's like, all right, you know, I, I am the bad guy. And so he has to kind of just live with that reality that he does kind of have this, like, dark, somewhat sense to him a little bit. Well, it's an interesting perception change because as, as Vince wrote that, it's like, you're in rehab not to change who you are, but to accept who you are. Jerry Burns played the uh, the, the rehab leader very well, I yeah. thought. Oh, man, yeah. he's great. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially the story about uh, his own personal experience and yeah, why he's his there. Daughter. I love the way he plays that. it. It's um, it's funny because I, I, I and I, you know, unfortunately, I, I get out to the set so seldom these days. I never mm-hmm. even met Jerry. But I remember him years ago on uh, the show Dear John, that yeah. sitcom Dear John. That's basically what I knew him from. And then he, we were lucky enough to have him come in and audition for us, and he just blew us away. He's yeah. so – I love yeah. in that scene how and, – and, again, you're directing and his acting and in and, and combination together. I love how he plays it so straight. He doesn't put any extra stink on it. He doesn't right. extra yeah. – he doesn't – he doesn't – it's so – the story is so horrifying on its own. He doesn't gild the lily any, and yeah. and it's just it's so, just uh, just and 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 your reactions, uh, Aaron, to him, uh, your character's reactions to him across that that bonfire, yeah, just so that's one of my favorite scenes. I love that how was, you guys did that. That was the first scene we, we shot with Jerry, right? Yeah. Um, and just the the line where Jesse says, "How do you not hate yourself?" I mean, he's just like really just pleading for yeah. an answer because yeah. Jesse is hating himself yeah 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 how can he go on and he's just pleading he's like how do you not hate yourself and he's like i did you know for a very long time and it's just it's beautiful just really well and uh and uh, we should talk about where that is that uh that onion shaped uh building yeah the onion the onion building is actually isleta casino out in south of uh downtown (laughs) albuquerque about 15 miles yeah yeah. 10 miles which is now actually the hard rock casino Oh, really? Oh, right. right? Yeah, Hard Rock oh. bought Isleta, and now they're, they're doing the whole transformation. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Hard Rock Casino, New Mexico. <laughs> ABQ. You know, I think, I think we should mention that, too, because, um, quite frankly, um, the reason that we're shooting in New Mexico was initially for financial reasons. A mm-hmm. studio needed us to, to go there uh, because there's a very healthy... A rebate program so anytime you shoot in New Mexico you get a 25% well they do they they get a, a rebate and no it goes was, to me personally it goes to me that's the car and 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 so you know I don't think to be completely honest I don't think any of us were thinking of oh good we get to go to New Mexico and certainly the actors have to relocate and and everybody has to move there for six, for six months at a time or more. And, uh, but the, the happy accident is uh, that New Mexico, specifically in uh, Albuquerque, uh, has become an important character to the show. The look of it, the culture, 
it, it's justifiable with the all the open spaces that you can go out and, and shoot and it's um, I, I think it's I think it's imperative that we uh, that we maintain that I mean it's, it's like yeah. a very cool look and the colors oh, yeah. of it oh yeah it's just beautiful it's it's uh, I like to think of our show as, as sort of a modern day western yeah, and and this season in particular uh, and 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 we were in pre-production on your on your episode, the one we're sitting here talking about. We were we were talking about Sergio Leone. We're talking yeah. about uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, West yeah. which, by the way, anyone uh, most of you folks uh, listening have probably already seen it. If you haven't, that's it's a great Leone movie from yeah. the late '60s, early '60s or something. We got the best opening 15 minutes of just about any movie I've ever seen. It's an opening 15 minutes. Nothing really happens, and yet you are just riveted. You're waiting for it. It's three yeah. guys waiting for a train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. filmmaking. I'd probably preach to the That's choir. The one with the dip, drips in the water. And yeah, yeah, dripping on the sound effects. Yeah, Woody Strode, uh, yeah. the water dripping on his hat. Yeah. Most of you folks have already heard of it, but those of you who haven't, check it out and rent it. It's an awesome movie. And and a lot of that look is uh, talking to Michael Slovis, our wonderful, wonderful director of photography. Uh, that's a lot of he was sort of riffing on that kind of stuff this season and yeah. uh, that kind of look and you guys captured man out in cabazon you guys captured it in spades okay. that's just a beautiful just wide you know luckily we get to shoot 16 by 9 too we get to shoot widescreen which we never got to do in the x-files but it's so great now television is getting wider you know and yeah it's more cinematic so What's it What's it like you guys being on location for that long too I never really asked that but you guys both moved there and you know, you got families and stuff here, and so what's that like? It's a sacrifice. It is. It's a sacrifice. You have to go, uh, you know, coming home every other weekend or even three out of four weekends is is uh, tolerable. But there's, you know, I, I, I hearken it back to the the earliest of actors were always vagabonds, and you... You know, you get in your tra- in your horse-drawn trailer and open up the back, and here he, here he, come around, come around, come around, watch the show. And you have to hit the road. I mean, so it's not unusual for me, but it does it does. Uh, you know, I have a wife and daughter here in Los Angeles, and it's I have to kind of reintroduce myself when I come home, and realize that they've kind of taken over and they've <laughs> managed on their own. You know, it's like, and I'm kind of an interloper at times. And like, oh. About that, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll just stay over here, you know. But it it it, it works. It works. And and uh, fortunately, I married a, an actress, so so she's not a civilian mentality where I don't know what you do or how you do it or you know that's crazy. But you know, so it 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 works out. But you know, it's it's not that far. It takes a couple hours to fly home from Albuquerque, and so yeah, it's quick. Do it often. Yeah, I mean it's. Much bigger sacrifice for you, I think. Much bigger. Um, uh, <laughs> and actually, his, his wonderful wife and like beautiful daughter made uh, this uh, this episode. Oh yeah, that we should talk about. Yeah, and they did such a great, great job. Oh yeah, we absolutely. have several incidents yeah. of of nepotism in this uh, <laughs> first episode. This is true. We have uh, my. Uh, my wife, uh, we we were in, all in, in Albuquerque, and there was a, a need for a hysterical uh, 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 neighbor talking about the airplane crash, and so we said, "Hey, Robin, why don't you do that?" And so Robin, my wife, Robin Dearden, is in it, talking about uh, what happened. There was the sound going on in the in the very beginning, and my daughter Taylor uh, is the sad face girl who stands up during the uh, during the assembly scene in the gym and talks about how. You know why would God let this happen and that sort of thing? And I thought she did a terrific job. She's a great really job. Did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really did. yeah, yeah, did a great job. And and Julie is uh, one of our writers' wives, is is in it as as our lawyer. And Julie Dretson. Yes. Yeah, and she did a terrific job. She's Skyler's divorce lawyer. Sky, Skyler's divorce yeah. lawyer in there. So we have uh, and also and Tessa and also Holly. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, my girlfriend Holly yeah, is, uh, yeah, is is one of the teachers there. Uh, Looking uh, scornfully at Walter, like <laughs> what an idiot <laughs> uh, during the gym scene. And uh-huh. Tessa Slovis, uh, Michael Slovis's daughter, is yeah. sitting next to with, uh, with Taylor. Taylor in, uh-huh. in that that scene where they have the talk. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, yeah, no, you're a lot of nepotism. And, you know, all those, uh, all, all the students in the assembly, they they all just came there and did that for free, right? Just, yeah, you should talk about that. Yes, yeah, I mean, we have a, you know, this is a good time to mention we have had a, we had a uh, wonderful uh, extras casting uh, person, uh, a woman named Gwen Savage, who just a wonderful, wonderful lady who was with us since the pilot. And she and her crew cast, uh, extras cast that, they filled, in other words, they filled that gymnasium. And as you just said, Aaron, they, they, they you know, all these folks showed up mm-hmm. for free. Uh, I mean, they were not paid to be there. They were given, uh, I think, uh, lunch and they were given T-shirts and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, there was like, like prizes given away. Prizes given. But yeah. it was such an amazing, and, and Brian, you can speak to it uh, way more than I can because you were directing and you were doing double duty. And as, as were you, Aaron, you guys were in between setups, you guys would go out and, and take a megaphone and bullhorn and talk to the crowd and keep everybody excited keep up the morale but our wonderful uh extras casting uh lady uh gwen savage did such a great job and she recently uh passed away of uh, cancer while we were shooting our uh our our last episode uh, of of season three and she would just want to we 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 uh we dedicated uh, an upcoming episode to her and uh she's just a wonderful lady we lost two wonderful crew people this season, Gwen Savage and Sherry Rhodes, our New Mexico casting uh, uh, person, and and just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, not to bring the whole room yeah. down, but I wanted to, I wanted to give uh, pay them some. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were very dedicated uh, women who loved actors, loved the craft, worked extremely hard, and. And uh, I remember working with both of them, uh, directing mostly, when you're looking for a certain face or a certain particular type of person, whether it's a, a background person or an actor. And they scoured you know, all of New Mexico and Texas and looking for people yeah. and Utah and bringing people down. They, they worked tirelessly yeah. to, to do the best they could for our show, and they'll be greatly missed. Greatly uh, missed, yeah. and. And we just thank them for a wonderful contribution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, and that, uh, that that scene though, I, I, I also we should uh, uh, talk about how as as many wonderful and and thanks to all the folks in Albuquerque who showed up for that day. That yeah. you guys were wonderful. Yeah. Any of you are listening? God bless you guys. And as all the great folks we got, it was a huge gymnasium. We got about six, seven hundred people showed up. It still wasn't quite full, so our wonderful uh, visual effects folks digitally uh, uh, doubled or tripled the amount of people in there, which is a whole story in itself. Audience duplication. Well, they say duplication, but it could be triplication. Yeah, yeah, we we wanted it to look absolutely packed, and it's an assembly from the entire uh, student body and all the teachers there. And initially we were thinking that there would be kids all on the floor and everywhere, and but we had no real idea of how many kids would show up. They're not being paid. We can't insist that they show up. We can entice them and offer them things. <laughs> yeah. I remember we brought out an ice cream truck and we're trying to trying all kinds of things. But I, I, I'm trying to remember the figure. I think there was actually right around 450 total. Oh, okay. I'm, well, maybe I'm I, maybe thinking. I, okay, okay. And it was so the the gym was was a good looking gym with some nice skylights on top and double decked and uh but 450 kids basically filled up a quarter it's a big gym of the gym so what we had to do is lock off our cameras and shoot a duplication so you basically shoot what's called a plate and you don't move the camera so in the beginning we would shoot the scene where the teachers were in the circle and in in the foreground and all the kids were in the lower section of it and we'd shoot that scene to its completion we'd cut and then we'd move all those kids from the lower section to the upper section moving people around so there's no no one that particularly stands out we'd shoot the entire scene again remember we kept the cameras locked off so that we can come we can exactly do it do a split screen on it and um and so then we'd shoot that way now because it's easier to shoot in one direction I, I decided the best way to do this is shoot directionally. So as we're pretending that we're <clears throat> shooting all sides and angles of the gym, we really only shot in one angle. 
the entire day. Right. And I would just move people around to, to simulate as if we were shooting from now the other direction. And so when we're done, we'd move the kids again and we'd, you know, move the teachers around and, uh, and, and the flags were in one side and not in the other. And we'd had cafeteria workers on one side and a couple gym guys mm. on the other. So we would just keep switching that back and forth, having a north-south understanding to it. And it, put it, it together. Isn't it weird how it's easier to move 450 people than it is to move the camera? Move the cameras, yeah. Exactly. It's the lights. It's the lights more than the camera. The lights but, and yeah. the track and the camera equipment yeah. and things like that and cables. And, yeah. and so we can keep one side completely clean of all right. that. And, uh, and it was actually easier to move to move the kids. Yeah. And this worked because the place is very symmetrical. It, one, yes, if it you look in one direction, it looks the same as in the opposite exactly direction. Exactly the same. Yeah. So. And, and we should mention our wonderful uh, first AD, Polly Matson. Yeah. Her, uh, she and her uh, assistant directing crew really helped make that day happen. As she, they always do. As they always and do. Keeping us on track. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great job being a cheerleader and keeping things moving. <clears throat> so, You know, Vince, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, the – you you basically um, have come to a point in the story, in the overall story, where you split the, our two guys up, um, and and so, because now it's like it 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 was about Walt, then it was about Walt and Jesse. Now you've split the two of them up, and you've brought in a whole other element. Uh, hence the these gentlemen from south of the border. Yes. Um, what was that like, kind of trying to develop that with your writing staff and, you know, trying to say, okay, now, you know, we, we've hit, I want to say, this is my opinion, but I think I share it with other people, we've hit gold with the two of them together, and now you're going to split them apart. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good question, Kelly. It's uh, these two guys here, uh, uh, Brian and Aaron, are just great together. Uh, I think it's that, you know, deep and abiding love that, that only, you know, uh, but these guys are great you guys are lightning in a bottle together you guys are so no, good together sure. and sure. uh i always say like the uh laurel and hardy for the 21st century <laughs> but uh I, you know what the, it's a good question you ask and uh there will be times this season coming up when uh when i personally don't get my uh, walt and jesse fix like i would like with these two guys together and you know what it is? It's it's uh, not intentional. It's you know the story. Oddly enough, the story takes you where it takes you. And Walt and Jesse are on very different paths at the beginning of this season. Walt has a big problem uh, that he is having to go uh, head to head with here at the beginning of the season. He's he's got to get his wife back. He's got to get his family back. He's got you know everything. Ironically, he did everything he's done so far in order to help his family, to, to, to support them, to give them money, to keep his family together, keep it solvent. He's ironically kind of screwed up his family uh, unintentionally because of his, his activities here. He's got to put, put this back together. As Aaron said, Jesse is, 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 is just steeped in guilt. Uh, he has a lot of guilt for things that ironically are not even his character's fault. You know his fault, uh, but uh, he's got—he's on a different path now. He's—he's he's on the path that says accept who you are, and I'm the bad guy. And these guys—they uh, got to take their own path for a little while. And it's—you um, know—it's just uh, when you're in the writer's room and you're trying to figure out—you know—the first thing you start with is where where are the characters' heads at at any given moment. And on the best days when you're doing it right, you're not working toward fun scenes that you have in mind that you want to get to in a perfect organic way of working and it doesn't always work this way I'd be lying if I said it did but the perfect way of working is knowing where the characters are at at a given moment and knowing what their motivations are knowing what they want next more than anything in the world knowing what they want to work toward and setting them off on that path and then seeing where that path leads them so there's a little of that this season but rest assured uh, if you, you stick with season three, and I think you will because it's a kick-ass season, uh, you will see plenty of uh, – it may be a little light with Walt and Jesse together in the, in the early going, but you'll, you'll be uh, perhaps – Still quite exciting, though. But, but, oh, God. It's, <laughs> but you, you're going to see plenty of these guys together later on. Well, you know, since we do have you guys together, and I know that you know, this really doesn't have anything to do with episode one, but – um, can you guys talk a little bit about the pre the preparation that you guys have to do together, especially when you have these scenes where you guys are just going at each other, physically, vocally, 
Anything? I just wake up in the morning and I go, oh, God, i got to work with him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's my preparation. I have to just breathe deep, you know, do some relaxation no, exercises. I, I, just. I'm just asking because, you know, I, I, um, I was doing a little bit of stuff uh, over the holiday and I was looking back at some old footage and I was looking at uh, this, um, the episode with when you guys were out, stuck out in the desert with Tuco. And, you know, there's so much going on and then you guys, are, you know, there's so much physicality to it and stuff like that. So I was just wondering. I mean, also, like, in, in the episode where uh, Jesse brings the trailer over to the house and you guys are just going at it and slapping each other. And, you know, is there anything special that morning, you know, when you guys know that you have to do this or? No, we kind of, we, we talk to each other and find out how, how we want to approach it and, uh. Uh, I think we have a very good way of working together. Um, if if we, we'll ask each other how much we want to work on it, and you don't want to do too much, because when you get it up on stage and you're ready to shoot it, you want s some some unexpected Organic, yeah. surprises to happen and things, and then you kind of adjust for that. Um, but I think it's 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 this it's the structure from the writing staff that is that has made that so so keen for actors the 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 better the writing the easier it is to be perfectly honest um the guideposts are there and just you can see where it's going to go and you could see the the polar opposite of where his character wants to go and it's just it's just not going to work out well and we have so many things that are that are different about us you know, one is extremely handsome. One is just <laughs> tolerable for a young boy. Uh, so, so you know, I mean, that in itself creates that wonderful friction, and I think it, I think it's it's great that that we do that. And you know, give giving a credit again to to Vince and the staff is that this year when you know my feeling was is that when when Walt's secret is revealed yeah. in the very first episode, yeah, she accuses you, doesn't she? And she, uh, maybe, maybe an educated guess, and she hits it, and Walt is stymied by it and not prepared for it and is revealed to be a, a charlatan in that sense. Um, I thought it was brilliant because it's totally, it was totally unexpected to me yeah, same here. that the whole conceit of the show rested on him keeping the secret. So the idea is that, and what makes it so painful for the writers... Is to write themselves into an to an inextricable corner, and then oh, yeah. pull your hair out. And figure, okay, oh, we've done this. That now, happens every day. Now what do we do? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it's gotta be it's gotta be crazily uh, hard to do. But um, he's a he's a, a great young actor, and and I think um, if he doesn't screw up, he could. He could be, he could be a star. He could be a big star. He could be a movie star. <laughs> oh, stop it! Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, but you know, uh, I've said this numerous times before. Uh, Brian definitely uh, makes me so much better than I actually am, and I truly, truly mean that. Um, but he is such a uh, a giving actor because you you work with some people that they just want to completely control the scene, like dominate the scene. Um, they don't allow anyone else kind of in, and uh, with the scenes with uh, Jesse and uh, Mr. White, it's just a constant like tug of war, battle, always butting heads, going one way, going the other way. And, but he's just he's so giving and um, and brilliant at times. And, uh, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it's it's good. You know, Aaron, I got to ask you something too. Um, you know, your your parents are up in. Boise, right? yeah, I know. And I'm curious because you get beat up so much. You know what? 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 Does your mom call you when she sees all you? the time? She's like, "Why? <laughs> Why do they do this in Vince almost every like episode?" <laughs> the, the the first season, you know, the the eye prosthetic was on, and uh, once we got picked up, yeah. we had to put it on for two more yeah. two more episodes. Yeah, and um, it was horrible. And and your eyelid, your eyelash got turned one inside time. out, right? Yeah, Ooh, yeah this one time terrible. my uh, my eye my eyelash got like flipped up underneath my eyelid, and I've had the prosthetic on for maybe uh, like four hours now because yeah. it takes three hours, like two to three hours to put on. 
but then I have to leave it on all day long and the uh, we usually shoot for about 12 hours so that was like 15 hours of uh, a constant like just wanting to scratch at it and there was nothing we could do um, so it was it, well it was a, to be fair the, the the production said listen if this is killing you yes. we'll take it off yes we'll take it off and redo it but you said, but you're no. gonna be a pussy if they're yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can be don't a pussy. Don't rub it, man. But don't it rub take, it. It takes about 30 minutes uh, to take off, and then they would wash it out, and then three more hours or two to three hours oh. to put it back on. But you know, I get along with Georgia, our lovely makeup artist, one of our lovely makeup artists. And, uh, so it's, it's not a too painful of an experience. Wow. We, we got to get a little more Dave Porter in here. I need my Dave Porter fix. Okay. <laughs> Dave, uh, 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 you use an amazing guitar. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. You use some Asian instrument, stringed instrument, in the pilot. Mm-hmm. In the scene, I'm going back a ways now. In the scene yeah. and out in the RV, there was yep. a, what was that? It was a, a, it was a Japanese koto. Koto, that's yes. what it was. I was going to say dooku. No, no. Kota, it was uh, I, I, I just well. said it was new. No, it's not a Dooku. A Dooku <laughs> is a totally different sound. <laughs> that's a guy from you know. That's a guy from Star Wars. Like one of one of those general guys, I think. Uh, so uh, Kota, So what, it, what does that look like? It's uh, it's about uh, six or seven feet long and has thirteen wow. strings on it. It's made wow. out of a uh, very soft wood called polonia wood, um, oh. and it has uh, bridges that are made out of wood with ivory tips, actually, um, much like the frets on a guitar, except that you can move them. Ah. So you, they're actually balanced under the, the tension of the string. Okay. And the strings are very long, uh, and it makes actually a very delicate sound. It's a very old instrument. There are versions of it in, in China and other places. But the uh, version I happen to have is from Japan. How do you, do you when you see a scene, do you then go, oh, the Koto will be perfect for <laughs> that? How do you, how do you uh, know? Yeah, how, right? how does that work? Because, yeah. That's yeah, no, no, it's a lot of experimenting, honestly. It's a lot of improv, um, and some of it flies and some of it doesn't um, when, I'm, when I'm mucking around with it in the studio. Mm. Um, but I think I've, I've always taken the position on, on, on this show that. I'm trying to do the unexpected, and I'm trying to mix palettes that you wouldn't normally hear together, instruments from different parts of the world, in addition to instruments that are acoustic and real and instruments that are synthetic and synthesized Yeah, because don't you use, like, paint cans or something mm-hmm. in our in our main title, I heard you say, uh, at one point? They're um, ga- gas tanks, empty oh, yeah. car gas tanks. Wow. Oh, wow. You mean that the, the, the goes under the car? Right. The thing right. that goes da 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 yep. that part? Yep. Wow. Wow. Exactly. Remember that jug. I mean, we're yeah. gonna find a place for, for I don't know. And can you work in the can you work in the music you dun 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 dun, dun somewhere? <laughs> okay you guys And I, I one last thing I, I should thank uh you know I, a lot of people uh work I get to the pl- the privilege of working for a lot of people who play on my music. That don't get the thanks that they deserve. Yeah, mention and, that, and I, please. And I, and I do. Oh, if we reach out to them. if we only had time oh, to do oh, that. Thank you for tuning in. Now we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in particular, in on this episode, uh, 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 my, a longtime friend and acquaintance who does much of the percussion playing on uh, on our show yeah. happened to have this uh, beautiful collection. He actually comes from Mexico City originally and have has this amazing collection of Aztec inspired. Mexican drums and war whistles and percussion uh, that were all. What's his name? Uh, Julio Moreno. Julio Moreno. Yep. Great, great percussion player. Shout here out to Julio. Yep. I, 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 I love what you do, man. I, 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 I could talk about what you do all day, and and I, but I, because I, I know so little. I love music. I know nothing about the creation of it. I mean, do you hear? And I know we got to wrap it up. Just one last question. Do you hear? Because <laughs> sometimes people ask me when I'm writing, do. Do I hear words in my head, dialogue in my head? I'm like, yeah, sometimes. Do you hear score in your head and then you write it down, or do you have to bang it out on the piano or the um, guitar or something? Or I mean, how do you do that? Hmm. Or is it a little bit of everything? It or? is. Okay. But like I said, I think it's, it's honestly, it's a lot of improvisation. It's a lot of me watching the scene many, many times, um, starting with finding a tempo that works with the cuts that the editor, Kelly and these editors provide and, and the tempo that the actors are working with sort of inherently and then going from there but it's it's a lot of trial and error 
Well, same with the writing. <laughs> uh, not so much with the acting. You guys nail it right from there. You know exactly what we're so doing. good. Well, you know, and you, you have to because uh, there's no time. That's You guys, uh, we, the time, the schedule is tough, period, no matter how you slice it in TV, in pre-production, production, but it's toughest in production. So you guys, of all of us, you guys have to nail it with, with 100 people staring at you and the clock ticking because you mm-hmm. only got 12 hours a day to shoot it, so... The, but like I said, the 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 guidepost from the writing is so clear. That you usually don't have that many questions about. Uh, I don't know how this is, should be played. We have eight days to shoot a, a segment, and then it goes into post production for how long, Kelly? What uh, what's the average length of a of an episode in post production? Um, I think it's about f- three or four weeks. If wow. if it, you know like a um, cumulative period, about three or four weeks. I mean, we cut yeah. it in like. 10 days, I think. We have an editor's cut, then we have a director's cut. And, you know, so I, I would say, yeah, from from start to finish, you know, from when we mix it, I think it's maybe about four weeks, I think. Yeah. Something like that. It is four weeks. Yeah, it's hard to say because, right, because you're you're doing three or four of them at once, and they're all yeah. at different stages of the process. Yeah, you know, I never thought about it, but I think if I took all the cumulative time that it actually takes, if I only worked, if we only worked on that, I think it may be about four weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's fast. You have to be fast in TV. It's yeah, fast. Not like yeah. movies. Movies, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll fart around with the editing. And only the only on those months. big movies now, though. Not, not yeah, <laughs> big well, that's all that's left, right? There's only the big movies. <laughs> but even still, yeah. when you're talking about taking a month, I think most people don't realize that we take eight days to shoot it. It takes a month in post-production yeah, to, and that to includes, put all the elements Yeah, and that in. includes cutting it. That includes directing, the director coming in, producers coming in, then redoing the, all the, the sound and music, and yeah, the music, yeah, and then finally in, mixing yeah. it. And then all of the... All of the color correction, all of the you know, all the yeah. all the work that needs to be done in the picture. And yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot, lot of work. work. It's a lot of people. We should do a podcast from the mix sometime. That would be cool. At the mix, right at the it. Just see a little <laughs> bit of it. It would yeah. be fun. Yeah, it would be. It would be yeah. fun. And Dave, you're writing these things in like a week, five days. Yeah, Dave has it really, really he has you to go very tight. fast. Four days. Wow. Four, four days, days he's got to write all the music yeah. for Yeah, I mean, and then it goes to, to Vince, and then we work on it together with revisions. But the, the actual writing process is four days an episode. Wow. I know, man. I just, my hat's off to you. Anyway, I don't know. We should wrap this up. Yeah. I want to say Kelly. thank you guys for coming in. Our pleasure. We, I you, really appreciate you. it. This is so cool. This was fun. Um, I think everybody will get a big kick out of this. I know that everybody's very, very excited for our first episode. So congratulations, you guys. Let's and do thank, it again. And thanks so much for kicking it in the ass, Brian, as a director. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Both you yeah. guys as actors. Aaron, thanks for getting kicked in the ass numerous times. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Let's go break bad.